The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I got to share with you this fascinating story. I met a wonderful, wonderful young man in Yerushalayim, in one of the yeshivas. We had the schusa speaking over there. His name is Alex Clear, and I want to tell you his story. When Alex was young, he's still young, but when he was a kid, he had a special ear for music. Uh, I know we have some musicians over here. Not just the music, but writing music and playing and writing music. He said when he was even 11 years old, um, he played in bands and he was really, he was really doing very, very well. When he was 19, he was really going on tours. And he was, you know, and he did a whole music class and I have to explain to you what, you know, what that means. He was really becoming famous, so to speak. And he said he was sitting, because Baruch did a great chesed for him. He was, I guess he was semi-from or from, but not, I don't know what that means exactly at that point. And he's sitting with one of the real, one of his real friends, was really making it big. And they were watching some sporting event, and he started crying. And he asked him, why are you crying? He said, you know, I have my whole career ahead of me. I'm making so much money. And then, suffice it to say, the other Tivus, and the, I don't know, I'm just not happy. Just not happy. And he said, gave him, in a sense, there has to be something deeper that makes a person happy. This is not what it is. And he began to search within his own yahadus, and he developed this, what he referred to as, Halavai in all of us, a taiva for Shabbos, a temptation to Shabbos. He always loved the concept of Shabbos, but he, so much so that he picked himself up with his jeans and his t-shirt, oh, well, t-shirt anyway, I'm not sure he said jeans, but, and he went off to Stamford Hill and just walked into a shul randomly Friday night, and there's a chassidah shiit over there, and he asks him, is there Kabbalah Shabbos here? He says, yeah. He says, can I stay? He says, yeah, you're welcome to stay. Is there Mara? He says, yeah. And finally, the yid has the seichel to say, and, 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 but there's no meal. Where are you eating? He goes, oh, I don't know. He says, no, you're eating by me? And he comes and he has a wonderful suda by him and he says to him, how are you going home? And he says, you know, the bus, this. He says, no, no, no you, you're, not, you're not going home. He says, why not? He says, because it's too long of a walk. He says, I don't plan on walking. He says, no, that's all part of keeping Sabbath. He goes, what am I supposed to do now? He says, just stay here. And he developed this wonderful relationship with this person. And he got very into keeping Shabbos and kosher and learning. But his career is still spiraling ahead. And he's touring Europe. And he strikes a deal with a very, very prestigious record company. Okay? But he tells them from the onset that, you know, I'm Shem Shabbos and there's Chagim. And they say, yeah, don't worry about it. Now, it turns out, as he explained to me in music, Friday night is a very busy night. Okay? Somehow. And they're sending him on tours all over and in Los Angeles and New Orleans. And he puts out his first record. And their prediction, this record company, which invested a tremendous amount of money and gave him, a, you know, a very, very significant contract. They were sure the record, the record would make it big. And the record wasn't doing very well. So they said to him, you know, it's it's, it's the Gavra, not the Chef. So they said, people, you don't have name recognition. People don't know you. But they would know you, and they would listen to this music. It would really catch on. So what did they want him to do? They wanted him to have as many live events as possible so that people should pick up his name. And they're sending him from, from place to place, and he's doing what he can, but he, it's always a problem. He's not doing it Friday night. And there's a very famous singer, which he, I'm not going to get into names, and uh, they said, you can do the act before him, which was really big. And he goes on this uh, tour of, you know, through England and America. And then they get him even more famous singer. And they're saying, this, you know, you do the act before, you're going to get such national coverage and they'll hear your song. And he says, uh-oh. He says, I, I can't do that tour. So they say, why not? He said, Pesach. Of course, the Shabbos and Pesach again. And basically getting up on stage over there with a kittle it just wasn't going wasn't gonna to work. Uh... So um, they, were, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were kind of, they said, we didn't realize what you meant when you said, we didn't realize how many Friday nights and how many holidays. They were still working with him. And he was doing a lot of live music festivals. And, uh, you know, his, 
was his career was advancing slowly, but it wasn't what they thought he would be superstarring the way he could. And he releases now an album, and things are beginning to move. And he says he comes home, Yom Kippur, and there's a message. And the message is from his agent or this company, I remember exactly, and they're all excited. This is very, he says most Saturdays, they're like from Friday night, they're out of it. You know what I mean? They're recovering from whatever they're recovering from. He says to get a message on, on a Saturday, it, it was a Saturday Yom Kippur SBB. And he calls back to say, you're not going to believe this. And he tells me that there's something called Live Lounge, which is BBC Radio. And, and it's like the biggest you know, radio show in, in, in England. And they, there was a cancellation and they want him to play live. And this would be in front of a national audience. And it has like, goes all over Europe. And, it, and this, is, this is the break that we're waiting for. This is going to, you know, his sales of his records are going to go through the roof. And let's go. Not only that, it's on a Thursday night. We were, we were so scared it was Friday night. They said they were so happy it was a Thursday night, which was the first night of Sukkot. He was like, can't do it. So what do you mean you can't do it? This, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. They say, I can't do it because it's the first night of Sukkot. They said to him, this is absurd. This is ridiculous. We've put up enough with you. And at one point, they threatened to cut the contract, with the cutting, the cutting thing. And he explained to me, when you, have, when you get that far with a record company and they drop you, you're blacklisted all over the place. You're terribly blacklisted. It's like, forget it. Your career is over. You're, you're done for. And he tries to argue, can't you get me another night? And then I even talk to him. It's either if you don't do this thing Thursday night, you know, that's it. And it was a very, you know, again, he said that he, over Yom Kippur, he read the story of Rav Amnon, and it made, it, made, it, made, it made a strong impression on him. He said, look, look at the sacrifice he made, look at the sacrifice that I'm making. And he said that he heard a song by Leonard Cohen called Who By Fire? Anyone? Anyway, he said it just, it just struck him, and he, he said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. They said then, goodbye, we're cutting the contract. And that would have meant lawsuits, and I don't know what it would have meant. I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly. But it meant he would owe them money, and because the way it works is that, you know, eventually give them a lot of money, but most of the original money goes to pay back all the expenses. It was really like, it was a nightmare of a nightmare if they drop it. And that's it. He wasn't going to sing on the first night of Sukkot. He dropped it. And he said he was left in a terrible predicament. He said that not only that, he had gone on tours. We had hired his own musicians. Where, where he said he owed them 11,000 pounds, and the record company was going to pay for it, but now they're not going to pay for it because they dumped him. And he was left with this chayv of paying these musicians. Okay? He said he didn't have money for rent. He was... He couldn't believe what happened. And he went to this, you know, his rav, and he said, you know, I'm really down. He said, like, everything was going great. I was becoming more and more from, and my career was going more and more, and I was working around the, the Friday night, and all of a sudden, like, the world caved in on me. So this Rav told him, you're, you're Mamash of Ramavina. 99 years of waiting for a child, and at your moment of greatness, you gave everything up. He says, it has to be bracha. It has to be bracha. He said, maybe there has to be bracha, but I can't write a check with that bracha right now. And he says, Mamash shouldn't have where to live. So he said, because like he had to swallow the bullet, and eventually the next day's landlord knocked on the door, and he said, here we go. Here I am, homeless. I'm going to wind up playing on some street corner, you know, with a, with a cat on my head and holding a pushka or something. And... Uh, instead of being like the most famous person in all of Europe. And then the landlord said to him, look, he says, this is your predicament. He says, I'll, I'll, wait, I'll wait it out with you. Okay, don't worry about it. And he says the next uh, thing that he, then he has to, how is he going to pay these musicians? So he gets this offer from, from a furniture design company that wants to present their furniture and he can sing in front of the show, which wasn't the idea of his. But they were offering him 11,000 pounds. So he told the, the musicians, he said, how would you like to play one more thing with me, which I'm not going to pay you for, but I'll be able to pay you for everything I owe you till now. And they went with it, okay? And afterwards, he just sat there, and he's learning in a yeshiva in Yerushalayim. 
And he says, I got to the point where I accepted it and made them serious nefesh. I have no charata, I have no regrets. He thanked Hashem that he wasn't being thrown out of his apartment. He thanked Hashem he was able to pay up his chayvis. And that's it. So the career is the career, and right now he's learning. And he started learning with all of his heart and all of his mind. Um, after a while, he gets a call from Seattle, Washington. There's an ad agency. And they say to him, you don't know what it took for us to find you, because, you, because he was really blacklisted. He said, even if they would send him an email, some of the emails were intercepted. As I was explaining to me. They went, they went so far back as to calling his high school teachers to ask if they know where he is, because they really wanted to find him. And he says, who are you? Like, you know, what now? So he says to him, listen, I'm not starting again. It's Friday night and Chagim, it doesn't work out. He says, no, 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 no. He says that we run a, an ad company. And he says, I have the contract for Microsoft wants to run an ad. And they really, we, we have a jingle from one of your songs. We, we want to use it. And uh, he said, and, 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 you know, we'll give you $75,000 for it. Okay, you know, not bad. It's, it's like if you're in Kylo, you know, figure after like 90 years, you can make half of that. Anyway. So, even though he said most of the 75 would still go to the record company because of the money that he would owe him, but it, it took off a big thing. And he said, he went to his Rosh Hashiva, and Rosh Hashiva said, yeah, do it, you know. And he thought it was like a little compensation. The Rosh was like giving a little pat on the back, you know. Okay, here. Lemais, what happened was, as they got involved in this commercial for Microsoft, it wasn't just a sound bite or background music. It turned out the whole commercial was based on this song. They were actually using the words of a song. And it wound up being played on, on, on sports stations throughout the world. And, and it went on prime time all over the place. And the song really picked up. And he gets a call one day and someone says, you got to come to Frankfurt tomorrow morning. He says, what? He says, come, come. And he goes to Rashid, he says, i got to go to Frankfurt. He says, why? I don't know, I'm not sure. But... And he goes on and he says that this song became the number one song that was being played on commercial radio stations throughout the world. In, in, in Frankfurt, in London, it was number four. And at one point, he was getting interviews, like begging for interviews from every music magazine all around the world. And he said, at one point, he's in his yeshiva in Yerushalayim, and he's Skyping to this major, major news network. And there's a bunch of chavir, Yerushalayim, the kefever that came in. He was sitting in the dining room, and they were like, oh, looking in with that spudik, some shram, look behind. The guy's like, who's that? He goes, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. And he's, yeah, my musicians, he's giving them a thing. He said, at one point, it just... It just caught on like wildfire. Like they couldn't understand like what they created. And he said it became, he told me the name of the song, whatever it is. It became the number one song in music chart. He told me Billboard Hot 100. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. It was number seven. He said his album sold six million copies. Six million copies. And I think that the biggest mythos of all is, he said now that obviously his pranosa was taken care of, he said, forget it. I'm, I'm finished. I don't need it anymore. I have enough. And he's sitting and learning. With a family in Yerushalayim. So I told him, I was almost crying when he told me this story, and I told him, you know, talk is cheap. It's very easy to come here day in, day out, and say, whatever you do, you know, in a Sanyan, that's the key to Bracha, and the Menashe will either criticize you or he won't, but big deal. I said, well, you did it, you know? You were there. I said, how, 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 how did you do it? How did you do it? The guy's telling you this is your whole career, everything you dreamt of, your whole life is ahead of you, and it's either Earning a $300,000 or owing $300,000, because big deals, they'll sing a song, Sukkot Night, you know? So go up there and sing, you know, you know, right? I you know, sing, Mr. Mach, you know, go up there, I don't know, do something, find an eight, so find some wrong, they'll find a hatch, or sing with a shindle, I don't know, do something, you know? He said, no, he said he stole the story of Rav Amnon, and that it did. That this song went where it did, okay? The, the, is an Asiyah's Chain, that the entire Literally happened is that the entire globe said, wow. It's the Rabbanisham's way of saying, 
Your Meisah Nefesh, Yeshmer Shabbos Kel Yeshmerini. Your Meisah Nefesh yourself for me, the entire world, right? All the Malachim Shemayim is going to say, wow. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.